Part two of Chapter eight of Stories of Animal Sagacity. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Allison Hester of Athens, Georgia. Stories of Animal Sagacity by W. H. G. Kingston. Part two of Chapter eight Birds. The Facetious Raven. A large dog was kept chained in a stable yard, in the roof of one of the outbuildings of which a raven had his abode. The dog and the bird had become great friends, yet the latter could not help amusing himself at the expense of his four-footed companion. Sometimes he would snatch a piece of food from the dog's pan, often when he did not wish to eat it himself. As the dog submitted without complaint at first, the raven would come again and take another piece away, then bring it back just within reach and dangle it over the dog's nose. As soon as he opened his mouth to catch it, the raven would dart off again and out of his reach. At other times, he would hide a piece just beyond the length of the dog's chain and then, with a cunning look, perch upon his head. Yet, mischievous as he was, the bird would never altogether run away with the quadruped's food, but would, after a while, return it, with the exception of any small bit which he might wish to keep for himself. These tricks in no way offended the good-natured dog. He showed a remarkable instance of his affection, when on one occasion the raven happened to tumble into a tub of water just beyond his range seeing the poor bird struggling he exerted all his strength and dragged his heavy kennel forward till he could put his head over the edge of the tub when he took the raven up in his mouth and laid him gently on the ground to recover end of the facetious raven the arctic raven ravens vie with our brave arctic explorers in the wide circuit they make in their wanderings when Captain McClure was frozen up in the ice during his last expedition to the North Pole, two ravens settled themselves near his ship for the sake of obtaining the scraps of food thrown to them by the seamen. A dog belonging to the ship, however, regarding their pickings as an encroachment on his rights, used, as they drew near, to rush forward and endeavor to seize them with his mouth. But the ravens were too cunning to be entrapped in that manner. No sooner were the mess tins cleared out than they would approach, and as he sprang after them, would fly a few yards off, and there keep a sharp eye on his movements. Having enticed him to a distance, they would fly rapidly towards the ship with a chuckle of satisfaction, and before the dog arrived, all the best bits had been secured by his cunning rivals. End of the Arctic Raven the eagle's nest magnificent as the eagle is in appearance he certainly does not on the score of intellect deserve the rank he holds as king of birds except that he will fight bravely now and then for his young i know of no good quality he possesses a countryman in the highlands to whose farmyard an eagle had paid several unwelcome visits carrying off ducklings and chickens, determined to have his revenge. 
Sallying forth, gun in hand, he climbed up the rocky side of a neighboring mountain, when he saw, high above him, the nest of the eagle. Shouting loudly, he discovered that neither of the parents were at home. Taking off his shoes, he was ascending towards the nest, when, about halfway up, while he was standing on a ledge, holding on tightly to a rock, he espied a hen eagle rapidly approaching with a supply of food in her beak. Immediately, and with a terrible scream, she darted towards the intruder. Unable to defend himself, he expected to have his eyes torn out when he let go and slipped to a broader ledge. Again, the eagle pounced upon him, and so close was she that even then he could not get a shot at her. In desperation, he took off his bonnet and threw it at the bird. She, seeing it fall, immediately followed it to the foot of the rock. This gave him an opportunity of bringing his gun to bear on her. The shot took effect, and she fell dead far below him. End of the Eagle's Nest The Tame Robins what interesting, confiding little birds are the robin redbreasts of our own dear England? It was summertime. An old lady lay in bed, suffering from her last illness. The bed was of large size, with a roof and four posts, the foot of it not being far from the window. The lattice, with its diamond panes, was open from morn till eve, and as the old lady thus lay calm and composed, and often alone, she observed a pair of robins enter by the window and fly round the corner of the roof of her bed. Chirping to each other, they seemed to agree that just inside of the bed would be a nice spot for building their nest. Away they flew, and soon returned with straws and little sticks. Thus, they quickly had a cozy little nest constructed in a secure position, which no bird of prey or marauding cat was likely to reach. The lady would, on no account, allow of their being disturbed, and they had free ingress and egress. Here the hen laid her eggs, sitting upon them, while the cock-robin brought her her daily meals. The eggs were hatched, and in this happy abode, greatly to the pleasure of the old lady, their little family was reared, and before she died, they were fully fledged and had flown away. End of the Tame Robins The Affectionate Duck A duck and drake lived together, as husband and wife should do, in the bonds of mutual affection. The poultry yard being assailed, the drake was carried off by thieves. The poor bereaved duck exhibited evident signs of grief at her loss. Retiring to a corner, she sat disconsolate all day. No longer did she preen herself, as had been her wont. Scarcely could she be induced to waddle to the pond, nor would she touch the food brought to her. It was thought, indeed, that she would die. While in this unhappy condition, a drake, by which the same marauders had been deprived of his mate, cast his eyes on her, and began to consider that she might replace his lost companion. She, however, instead of offering him encouragement, repelled his advances with evident disdain. 
search had been made for the thieves and though they escaped their booty was discovered most of the birds alive and well and among them the affectionate duck's lost husband on his return to the farmyard the loving couple exhibited the liveliest joy at meeting she had a long story to tell which the drake listened to with stern attention no sooner was it finished than he glanced fiercely round the farmyard and then evidently with fell intentions made his way towards where the rival drake was digging worms from the soft mud his pace quickened as he approached his antagonist then with a loud quack he flew at him brought him to the ground pecked out first one eye and then the other and otherwise assaulted him so furiously that his unfortunate foe sank at length lifeless beneath the blows of his strong bill while i describe the bad example set by the drake i must entreat you not to harbor even for a moment any angry feelings which may arise at injuries done you end of the affectionate duck old phil the seagull from the lofty cliffs at the back of the isle of wight numerous wild fowl may be seen whirling in rapid flight through the air now rising above the green downs now descending to the blue surface of the water towards the west end of that romantic island in a hollow between the cliffs is the village of calburn here some time since might have been seen sailing over the village green old phil one of the white-winged birds i have described abandoning the wild freedom of his brethren he had associated himself with the human inhabitants of the place his chief friend was a grocer near whose shop he would alight on a neighboring wall and receive with gratitude the bits of cheese and other dainties which were offered him at certain times of the year however he would take his departure and generally return with a wife whom he used to introduce to his old friends that she might partake of their hospitality not indeed that she would venture so close to the grocer's shop even for the sake of the cheese parings but she used to enter the village and frequently spent her time at a pond hard by while old phil went to pay his respects to the purveyor of groceries end of old phil the seagull the tame crow it is interesting to rear up animals or birds and to watch their progress as they gain strength and sense and thus remark their various habits and dispositions almost invariably when kindly treated they return the care spent on them by marks of affection though some exhibit it in a much less decree than others crows are considered wise birds but while understanding how to take care of themselves they are not celebrated for their affectionate disposition still a crow may become fond of its owner a gentleman had reared one from the nest and it had long dwelt with him coming at his call and feeding from his hand at length it disappeared and he supposed it to have been killed about a year afterwards as he was out walking one day he observed several crows flying overhead 
when what was his surprise to see one of them leave the flock, fly towards him, and perch on his shoulder. He at once recognized his old friend and spoke to it as he had been in the habit of doing. The crow called in return, but kept carefully beyond reach of his hand, showing that, having enjoyed a free existence, it did not intend to submit again to captivity. A few more calls were uttered. Its companions called likewise. The crow understood their call, probably its mate, and perhaps its young ones were among them. Glancing towards them, and with a farewell call at its old master, it spread its wings and joined the flock, nor did it ever again return to its former abode. You will find it far more easy to give up good habits than to get rid of the bad ones. Be careful, therefore, to cherish the good ones. You can never have too many of them. End of the Tame Crow The Ostrich and Her Young The ostrich, which, with its long strides and small wings, traverses the sandy deserts of Africa at a rapid rate, lifting its head on the lookout for danger, is generally spoken of as a stupid bird. Notwithstanding this character, it displays great affection for its young, and some sense in other matters. Sometimes a pair may be seen with a troop of twelve or more young ones, watching all their movements and ready to call them away should a foe appear. Sometimes the young are not much larger than guinea fowls, and as their parents are aware that the little birds cannot run so fast as they themselves can, they endeavor, when an enemy comes near them, to draw him away from their charges. The female generally undertakes this office, while the cock-bird leads the brood in an opposite direction. Now the hen ostrich flies off before the horseman, spreading out or drooping her wings. Now she will throw herself on the ground before the foe, as if wounded, again to rise when he gets too near. And then, wheeling about, she tries to induce him to follow her. Thus she will proceed trying similar devices, till she fancies that she has led her pursuer to a safe distance from the brood, when, abandoning her former tactics, she will dash off across the plain, fleet as the wind. End of the Ostrich and Her Young The Blackbirds and Grimalkin Two blackbirds had built their nest in the thick bough of a tree which overhung a high paling. Here they fancied themselves secure from the prying eyes of idle boys or marauding cats. The hen laid her egg in her new abode, and in due time several fledglings were hatched, which her faithful mate assisted her to rear. While in the full enjoyment of their happiness, watching over their helpless young ones, they one day saw what to them appeared a terrific monster, a large cat leaped to the top of the paling and began cautiously creeping along it. So narrow was it, however, that even Grimalkin could not venture to move fast. The parent blackbirds watched him with beating hearts as he crept on and on, his savage eyes turned up ever and anon when he stepped towards their nest, where the young ones were chirping merrily, unconscious of danger. 
in another instant he might make his fatal spring and seize them in his cruel jaws the heart of the tender mother urged her to risk her own life for the sake of her offspring downward she flew uttering loud screams of anger almost within reach of the marauder but the narrowness of the paling prevented him from leaping forward and seizing her in his claws the brave father was not behind his mate in courage he too pitched on the top of the fence directly in front of grimalkin as the cat crept on he retreated hoping to draw her past his nest but the cruel plunderer's eye was too securely fixed on that the cock seeing this darted with the courage of despair on the back of his enemy and assailed him with such fierce and repeated pecks on the head that the cat losing his balance fell to the ground and astonished at the unexpected attack scampered off resolved i hope never again to molest the heroic blackbirds while they flew back to the nest they had so bravely defended end of the blackbirds and grimalkin conclusion i have often thought while writing these stories of a remark made by one of my boys whom when he was a very little fellow i took to hear a sermon to children at the abbey church of malvern the vicar gave a number of interesting anecdotes of children who had assisted poor people saved up their money for charitable purposes made collections for missionary objects who had died young happy to go to a better world or had been brought to love jesus at an early age and had been the means of inducing their companions to love him too my little boy who was seated in my lap listened with eyes fixed on the preacher to every word that was said at last one or two accounts were given which seemed to puzzle him greatly and casting an inquiring glance into my face he whispered papa papa is em all true now perhaps some of you my young friends as you read the stories i have given you will be inclined to ask as did my little boy is em all true I can reply to you as I did to him. Oh, yes, I believe so. They are generally thoroughly well authenticated. A considerable number have been narrated to me by friends who witnessed the behavior of the animals, while several have come under my own observation. I trust, therefore, my dear young friends, that the narratives I have given you may not only prove interesting, but that you will learn from them to pay due respect to all animals, however mean and insignificant you have been accustomed to think them. They think and reason in their way. They not only suffer bodily pain, but they have feelings in a remarkable degree like your own, and you must own that it is cruel to hurt those feelings by ill treatment or neglect. It is pleasant to read an interesting book. It is good to remember what you read, and better still to gain some useful lessons from it. This, I hope, you will do from these stories about animals and the teachings they afford. I trust, therefore, that you will derive benefit, as well as amusement, from this little book, and with earnest wishes that you may do so, I bid you farewell. End of conclusion. End of Stories of Animal Sagacity by W. H. G. Kingston. 
This reading by Allison Hester in March 2008.